what's amazing about God's Good morning and welcome to worship. We're so glad you're here. How many of you like drums? You like drums? Come on, let me hear you. You like drums? All right, well, you're going to like this song. You're going to like this song right here. It's called Little Drummer Boy. And we got a couple of little drummer boys up here. Y'all ready? Here we go. Y'all ready for this? Let's stand up and let's sing. Here we go. Played my drum for him, pa rum pa 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 pa
Luke Simpson and our other drummer boy Johnny Bell. You can have a seat. Well, welcome to First Baptist Church and Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. And if you're a first time guest, we're especially glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you, and the way that we do that is through the guest card that's located in front of you in the pew rack. If you could take one of these out and fill it out for us, and then after the service, Go out these double doors and turn to the left to the Welcome Center. You can give this to our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, or anyone there at the Welcome Center. And we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our worship service this morning. It's just a small way that we can express our gratitude for you being here. So we're in a season of prayer for world missions. And as we pray, we also give to our world missions offering. And we're getting close to our goal of $27,000. We want to take a moment to show you where these resources are going and how you are partnering with Southern Baptists to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So I want to take a moment and watch this quick video that shows you what you're giving to when you give to this offering. So let's watch this together. The Czech Republic's landscape is filled with beautiful church steeples. Although the majority of Czech people today show indifference towards any religion, However, IMB missionaries are still seeing God change hearts. The Lewis family moved to the Czech Republic in 2009 as church planners. They started a Bible study in their home, which they eventually outgrew and moved to a community center. Partnering with a local believer named Daniel, they are seeing churches planted and people baptized. Now there are 10 church members training for leadership with a vision to start 10 new churches in the future. Pray for the Lewis family and Daniel as they lead Mosaica and for the other church plants in the surrounding cities. Will you stand with us and let's continue to sing together. Angels we have heard on high. One. we have heard on high sweetly singing o'er the plain and the mountains in reply echoing their joyous strain here we go sing birds why this jubilee why your joy Prolong, 
Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. Gloria, in excelsis Deo. Come to Bethlehem and see Him whose birth the angels see Come adore on bended knees Christ the Lord, the newborn King Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Psalm 29, 1 and 2. Please sing this with us. Now in flesh appearing, 
praises to the Lord, O oh, you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Psalm 30, verse 4. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever sing. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We live for you. Sing it out. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Psalm 34, 1 and 2.
Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. For you alone are worthy. Sing it. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations. Christmas wasn't a tree gleam or a candle beam. It was a starlight stream. The first gift of Christmas wasn't from wise men or a human hand. It was the Son of Man sent from God to us. He was a holy child, glory to God, glory to God. His name is Jesus Christ. He was sent from God to of Christmas wasn't a sleigh ride or a silent night. It came from angels on high, sent from God to us. He was a from a mother's eyes as her baby cried he was the word of life sent from God to us 
Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning just acknowledging that you are God. And despite the fact that you are God, you came as a little child. You humbled yourself enough to be born into a world that would hate you, that would ridicule you, crucify you. But, Lord, we know that that wasn't the end of the story. We know the end of the story is that you are king, and you will be crowned king, and you will be seen by all that you are king of kings and lord of lords. It's for those days we long, we look forward to. We thank you for this introduction to your kingdom as Christmas rolls in. And so, Lord, we ask you now that you'll be with Dr. Cox as he brings your message. Open our ears and our hearts that we may hear from you in a fresh new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. Merry Christmas to you. I've been sharing a series of sermons on prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament the last six weeks. This is the final installment in this series. We've looked at almost 40 prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, we, we've shared this because on Easter Sunday, this is what Jesus talked about with his disciples. First on the road to Emmaus, then in the, the room with the ten disciples. It says he went through the law, the prophet, and the Psalms and showed them how all of these things that had happened to him in his uh, life had been predicted in the Old Testament. And so today we come to the final installment of this series. My prayer is that this has helped to solidify your faith that Jesus is the Messiah. Your faith will be under attack. And why should you believe that the Bible is true, that Jesus, who's who he said he is, fulfilled prophecy is a powerful line of evidence that helps us to place our faith in Jesus. And I hope that this series of sermons helps you to defend your faith. If somebody asks you, why do you believe the Bible? Well, this is one reason to believe the Bible is true because there is a unity where these prophecies for thousands of years are fulfilled in Jesus. So today, we're going to look at the last three prophecies of uh, the Messiah in the Old Testament. We have seen that the Old Testament talked about the family tree of the Messiah or the coming king, the deliverer, the savior, the shepherd, the branch. We've seen that it talked about the birth, the ministry, the rejection, the betrayal, the suffering, and the death of the Messiah. And now we come to the final part of the prophecies about the Messiah with three final prophecies. Number one, the Old Testament says that the Messiah will rise from the dead. He'll rise from the dead. We look again at Isaiah 53. We looked at it last week because it talks a lot about his suffering and death. Pick back up in Isaiah 53, 9 that establishes he will die. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. So the Messiah is going to die, right? All right, what's going to happen after he is dead? Verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. So after he's dead, God's going to prolong his days and he'll see his offspring. You're his offspring by faith if you believe in him. And then verse 11 says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied and by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many 
for he will bear their iniquities. So he's going to see the light of life after death. The resurrection, the Messiah, is prophesied in the Old Testament. One other key Old Testament prophecy of the resurrection is in Psalm chapter 16. Let me read to you verses 8 through 11. David wrote this, but it becomes obvious that David was talking more than about himself. Psalm 16, 8. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I'll not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You're not going to leave me in the dead. Nor will you let your holy one or your faithful one see decay. Your faithful one will not see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You'll fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasure at your right hand. In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had ascended, Peter stood up and preached, and this was his primary text from the Old Testament that he used. Let me read to you part of the sermon of Peter on the day of Pentecost, the first Christian sermon. In Acts chapter 2, verse 25 through 28, he quotes these four verses that I just read. Peter quotes Psalm 16, 8 through 11. And this is what he says after he quotes those verses, beginning in verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Peter says, David couldn't have been talking just about himself in this psalm, because his tomb's still here. He's in it. You, you know it's here in Jerusalem, he said. But, he, but Jesus, who rose the third day, died. But before his body could see decay on the third day, he rose to the dead. Peter says it's proof that he is the Messiah. Paul also preached on this, Psalm 16. When Paul went to Antioch, his custom was on his missionary journeys, when he'd get to a city, he'd go to the synagogue first and preach the, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile was his pattern. So he gets to Antioch and he goes to the synagogue. And let me read to you a part of what he preaches there. I'm reading Acts 13, 34 and following. God raised Jesus from the dead so that he'll never be subject to decay. As God has said, I'll give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, and he quotes Psalm 16, Verse 10, it read, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. And so the New Testament says, here's that prediction. Where did they get this? I think Jesus went over Psalm 16 with them on that Easter Sunday afternoon and that Easter Sunday evening. I think Jesus said, don't you see that all of this was predicted here? The, the first of these predictions that we're looking at today, that the Messiah will rise from the dead, and Jesus did just that. Number two, the Old Testament predicts that the Messiah will return on the clouds. The Messiah will return on the clouds. 
The prophecy is in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Now, Jesus used that title for himself, and this is where he got it from. Jesus identified himself with this. I saw one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God, and was led into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never, never be destroyed. Jesus referred to this passage when he was on trial. When Jesus was on trial before Pilate, you remember, he didn't answer any of the charges against him. And we saw earlier that that fulfilled a prophecy that the Messiah would not defend himself. But listen to Mark chapter uh, 16, uh, 14, verses 61 and 62. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. And again the high priest asked, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, Jesus said. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So Jesus had not answered the charges until he gets to this last final question. And then he openly declares himself to be the Messiah. You remember that it, throughout the gospel sometimes when Jesus would tell people, Now I'm going to heal you, but don't, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Sometimes people ask me, why did he want to keep it a secret? Well, because it wasn't time yet. Jesus was not ready to, to finish teaching his disciples and bringing everything together. But now the secret is out. Now he un, uh, unabashedly says, I am the Messiah and not only that, but Pilate, you're going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. He refers John, uh, Daniel 7, 13 to himself. After Jesus rose from the dead, he took his disciples out one day on the Mount of Olives. And the Bible says that he ascended to heaven up through the sky until a cloud hid him from their view. And the disciples were standing there looking up, trying to catch another glimpse of him. And an angel appeared to them and say, said to him, why are you looking into the sky? This same one who left will return in the same manner. Now what's all the purpose of this talk about clouds? Why do each of these passages mention he'll return on the clouds? That is to show that this is real, it's tangible, it's physical. This is not just some symbolic thing, oh, he's going to come to us in some metaphysical way. It is saying Jesus is literally, bodily, physically coming down through the clouds just like he went up through the clouds. And so the final reference to Daniel 7 in the Bible is in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. And John says in Revelation 1, 7, look... He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So John quotes two prophecies and links them together. Daniel 7:13, look, he's coming on the clouds, and then, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, they'll look on him and mourn. That's Zechariah 12:10. And you may remember that John quoted it. We already looked at it earlier. When Jesus died on the cross, he quoted this prophecy. When the soldier jabbed a spear between Jesus' ribs and blood and water came out. And he quoted it then saying, they will look on the one they have pierced. 
But now he quotes it again. It had a partial fulfillment there, but its final fulfillment, he quotes the whole verse, they'll look on the one every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples will mourn because of him, it says in Zechariah 12.10. So here's the deal. When Jesus comes back on the clouds, everybody's going to see him. Even people like Pilate who have died before he comes back because there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. And what is going to be the response? Some people are going to mourn when they see him. Oh, no. Listen, you're going to have one of two responses when Jesus comes back. It's going to be either, oh, yes, or oh, no. Right? If you have bet your life upon Jesus and you have followed him, it'll be the culmination of your faith, and you'll say, yes. But if you have rejected him as Savior and Lord of your life, there will be that mourning that says when every eye sees him, and it'll be, oh, no, it is true. I should have taken a different course. What's it going to be in your life? What's it going to be with you? We're, we're coming near the end of these prophecies that we're looking at, and you're going to have to decide, do you believe Jesus is the Messiah? What's your verdict on Jesus? You have to bet your life one way or the other. Have you put your faith, will you today put your faith that Jesus is the Messiah? That's the crucial question of your life, and that will mean everything when he returns. Well, there's one more passage, or one more prophecy we want to look at, and that is the Messiah will reign as king forever. The Messiah will reign as king forever. There are several places we see this, but let's go back to the Christmas promises, because the Christmas prophecies also talk about his reigning as king forever. The ones that predict his birth also link the end of the story. So let's look at a couple of those in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, first of all. We've already looked at Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 in connection with the prophecy of his birth at Christmas. Because Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. But he immediately then, in the middle of that verse, moves from his birth to his eternal reign, from his first coming to his second coming. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. That's, That's going to be when he comes back again and he reigns as king forever, the government will be on his shoulders. Why does it link the two together? Because when it starts, the end is assured. You see, from the very beginning, the end is assured. So unto us a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulders. And verse 7 says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. So he's going to come, and he's going to rule, and there's going to be peace. No more war. And he'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's look at another one in Isaiah 11. And again, you'll see that it's linked to Christmas, that the prophecy of his birth quickly moves to his eternal reign. In Isaiah chapter 11, it begins verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. So we learned that Jesse was David's father, 
And God promised there's going to be a line of kings from David, that Messiah is going to be descended from David. But here the prophecy is that line will have a break in it for a while. The family tree of Jesse, of David, will be cut down like a tree. And then the Messiah will come up like a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. And so sure enough, David ruled. His sons and the descendants after him for 14 generations ruled. And then the exile came, and the tree was cut down, and there were no more kings. And they went 14 generations with just a stump. And then at the birth of Jesus, the uh, stump sprouted, and the king came. So we've seen Isaiah 11:1 before, but right away he moves from Christmas to him being king forever. Look at verse 4. But with righteousness he'll judge the needy. With justice he'll give decisions for the poor of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Remember that detail. With the breath of his lips he'll slay the wicked. And verse 6 says, The wolf will live with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the goat. There's going to be harmony. No more enmity. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. And the cow will feed with the bear. And their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the infant will play near the cobra's den. You don't have to worry about your kids. Aren't you glad when you don't have to say, don't touch that, don't go there, anywhere. The, the, the infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child put its hand into the viper's nest. They'll neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now let's go to the fulfillment of that in, predicted in Revelation chapter 19 of verses 11 and following. Here's going to be what happens when Jesus comes back. You'll hear some of these same things. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True with justice Justice, there's the justice. He judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dripped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. And the armies were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean, coming out of his mouth. Here's that detail from Isaiah. Is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Jesus will win the victory with the breath of his mouth. He just speaks the word. God spoke the worlds into creation, and Jesus will speak, and all evil will be vanquished, and all of those who oppose him will be struck down. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He'll rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. We celebrate Christmas because it's the beginning of the end. The Bible links the birth of Jesus with the very end of the story. Now the skeptic will say, there's not much to celebrate at Christmas. And it's true that evil goes on abated, doesn't it? Uh, death doesn't take a holiday the week of Christmas. Funeral homes don't quit operating. Hospitals don't close down. Tornadoes don't skip the month of December, right? 
There's still a lot of bad stuff in the world. Even last year on Christmas Day, you remember there was a bombing in Nashville on Christmas morning that injured eight people last year. And so the skeptic will say, there's nothing has changed with the arrival of Jesus. All these great promises you talk about have not come true. But here's what we say. No, we're not to the end, but we're at the beginning of the end. And the two are linked together. And we celebrate because the, the end has started. For to us a child is born and the government is going to be on his shoulders. Let me explain it to you this way. In, uh, in a lot of the, the epic movies, there's a, a musical score that's, that's iconic. Um, there's, there's a theme song. And they may play that theme song when the movie opens. But in those epic movies, when it comes to a point of crisis, every, every movie has a, a conflict, a crisis. Oh, when you think things are at their worst. Oh, what's going to happen? And then that theme song starts. And when you hear the first notes of that music, you know that something is about to happen. You know it's going to be okay. You know the hero is coming. It, there's still going to be a battle ahead. Nothing has changed, but when that music starts, you know it's going to be okay. We're going to play Name That Tune, okay? You know the, the show Name That Tune? I'm going to play four musical scores for you from movies. And if you know what the movie is, you can, you can shout it out uh, right then when you hear it. All right, let's do the first one. Here we go. What? Indiana Jones movies. That's right. When you hear that music start, somebody's about to get hit with a bullwhip, right? Things are about to happen when that music begins, right? It, nothing may have changed. There's a battle ahead, but something is about to happen when that music starts. The tide is about to turn. All right, let's do the second one. Mission Impossible. When you hear those first notes of that music, somebody's about to rip a mask off, and then they're going to turn some buttons, and some elaborate plot is going to come together when that music begins, right? Okay, let's do the third one. What? Star Wars! Star Wars, from the, when that music plays, the Empire it may look bleak, but the Jedi are about to arise. Some lightsaber is about to flash somewhere, right? All right, let's do, let's do one more. Where's Susan? Is she in here? Oh, there you're already here, Susan. I was looking for that. All right, so Susan's going to play a Christmas song. Now, another way you can, can play Name That Tune is uh, to guess at a note at a time, how few a notes you can identify a song. So this is a Christmas song. We're going to start out, Susan, with one note. She's going to play one note. If you can't get it, we'll go to two, three, four. Let's see what it is. Okay, one note. Okay, all right, that's, that's hard. All right, we're going to go two notes. What? 
I, I, I heard it finally. All right, let's try to go three. Joy to the world. Play it for us, Susan. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Christmas is like that first note of the music. Yeah, it, it seems nothing has changed. There's still a battle ahead, but the end has begun. The lion has not yet lined down with the lamb. You can't keep lions and lambs together now. Vance Havner said, well, you can, but you've got to use a fresh lamb about every week, you know. <laughs> but the stump of Jesse has sprouted. The government is not yet on his shoulders. We wish the government was on his shoulders, don't we? But for unto us a child has born has happened. The music has started. That's what Christmas is. The first notes of the end have begun. There's still a battle ahead. We're not to the conclusion yet, but we know it's going to be okay because the first notes of God's work of redemption have begun. The child has been born, and he will reign forever. That's why we celebrate. And I pray this week, even if things are not perfect in your life and there's grief and there's sickness in your family and there is evil that is not yet overcome, that you will still be able to find the joy that you would hear when the first notes of that music sound. Something has changed. Uh, it, something is different. You must decide, do you believe Jesus is the Messiah. Maybe even today you would say, I put my faith in Jesus. I will follow him as Lord of my life. I'll be baptized. I confess him. Would you stand together with me? We're going to sing a song of commitment and invitation. And today while we're singing this song, you can walk down to the front and meet me here as a way of indicating I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I'm willing to be baptized. There'll be a decision counselor here who would answer any questions or pray with you if you've not yet prayed to receive Christ. If you have, we'll just rejoice with you and, and, and celebrate that. You could join our church in the same way just by walking forward. Someone did that at our first service this morning who had just moved from Illinois, came and joined our church family. You need a church. Uh, you've already been baptized. Come and join. We welcome you. If you want to pray about something in your life, someone would be glad to pray with you. This is a time to respond to God's work and his activity through his word in your life. What hope we hold this starlit night the king is born in bethlehem our journeys long we seek the light that leads to the hollow and manger ground what fear we felt in the silent age 400 years can he be found but broken by a baby's cry, rejoice in the hollow and manger ground. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, 
the Son of God, you're born to believe. A crown of thorns would pierce his mouth. He beheld this offering, exalted now the King of kings. Praise God for the hallowed manger. seated. It's great to hear how uh, the birth of Christ is ushering in this uh, wonderful reign of our Lord and Savior and, and his uh, kingdom forever. And, and uh, uh, the notes that we hear uh, through his birth that inspire us and then also the opportunity that we have to be notes in other people's lives. And uh, as we get in God's word, we hear those those notes as well. And uh, Todd's got something to share, uh, a little devotion that he's been a part of. Yeah, uh, there's this guy named Phil Barfoot, and he, uh, he put out an invitation to music pastors all over the country to submit uh, uh, devotionals to, the, uh, to his book. And so I submitted a devotional, and, uh, and he accepted it, and he put it in this book called Joy in the Morning. And uh, so uh, we are making those available for sale today in the, in the, uh, in the bookstore. Uh, all proceeds from this book go back to the church, uh, and so uh, and the funny thing is, is that I didn't realize this was uh, funny until I told everybody what the name of my uh, my devotional was. It's called "Was it something I said?" <laughs> and for some reason, that's funny. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, uh, so uh, you can go get those great Christmas gifts. These are the there's 365 devotionals in here. Uh, that you can use for your daily devotional. Uh, we use them for our devotionals uh, in the mornings for before we come out. So there. Great. I also remind you, you can continue to worship through tithes and offerings in the offering boxes back there. I want to remind you, it's Christmas week, so Christmas Eve, we have our services, uh, candlelight services on uh, Friday night, 4 and 6 o'clock. So uh, identical services, hope you can be a part of those and celebrate Christ's birth through that way. Uh, we're going to pray and we'll be dismissed. God, we thank you again for this unfolding story of, of your majesty and your reign and that this, the birth of a child is ushering in this, this uh, just wonderful song of your, uh, your just power and, and, and 
glory and, and the fact that you are going to reign forever. And we thank you that we get to celebrate this time. Uh, help us to just uh, enjoy the time we have with family and friends as we celebrate. Um, be with those who are traveling uh, around uh, during the holidays. Uh, but ultimately, just you be the focus. We love you. Thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.